This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be speaking with leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is interior designer Anthony Barada. As one half of the acclaimed duo Diamond Barada, Tony spent his early career at the top of the design world. The firm's joyously colorful spin on classic American design won it constant press coverage and countless accolades. But after the departure and tragic passing of his partner, William Diamond, Tony had to reinvent the firm and himself. I spoke with Tony about going through difficult times and coming out the other side, why he doesn't worry about getting published anymore, and why scaling back his firm has made him happier than ever. This podcast is sponsored by Laloy, maker of rugs, pillows, and wall art for the thoughtfully layered home. If you're headed to High Point this fall, stop by the Laloy showroom to see new introductions from Amber Lewis, Carrier and & Company, and other collaborators, as well as thousands of one-of-a-kind pieces. And don't just stop by. Stay a while. Because Laloy is also hosting a handful of events at High Point Market with their collaboration partners, which you can read more about and make an appointment at laloyrugs.com slash highpoint. This podcast is also brought to you by Hector Finch, the UK's premier lighting brand, renowned for its timeless designs, immaculate quality fixtures, and unparalleled customer service. See the collection in Kipps Bay's Dallas Showhouse, open from November 3rd to the 15th, or find a showroom location near you by visiting hectorfinch.com. And now, on with the show. So, Tony, I'm wondering, first off, son of Nutley, New Jersey, how did you come to this industry in the first place? Speaking of Nutley, it was actually a lovely place to live. It was um, a bedroom community. It's about 13 miles west of the city. It was established probably in the early 19th century. So there were the original um, 18th century structures. But then as time went on, there there were architectural styles all the way to the 60s ranch houses. So when I was a kid, I would ride around on my bike and check out the houses, but seriously, really get into them. So I sort of think that that's one of the, one of the things that sort of pushed me into design, this love of domestic architecture. And I would, um, I would end up working in all these different kind of styles or, and all these different kind (laughs) of houses. It was quite a special place. And um, I am now the Notley, New Jersey Hall of Fame. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I feel like it's probably hard for you to walk down the street in Nutley without just getting people come up to you. And wait a second. No, not you? true. I, I share the honor of being in the Nutley, New Jersey Hall of, the, of Fame with Martha Stewart and Annie Oakley. And so. Annie Oakley, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's very nice. It's well, you, you can't get much bigger than that between Martha Stewart and Annie Oakley yeah. and Tony Barada. I mean, right? <laughs> so fast forward from that to 
Tell me how you arrive at and way back in the day, I guess Bill Diamond's firm, right? <laughs> he had started out when he was 19. So I started with him when, when I was 21 and he was seven years older than me. He had an established clientele. Um, he grew up um, in the five towns in Long Island, but he was working in Connecticut and Manhattan, all over Long Island, as a, and as, since he was a young kid. Anyway, it was uh, sort of, I uh, was catapulted into an actual firm that was working and working hard at a lot of different kinds of projects. Well, and you, it remind me, you came on as an apprentice originally, yes? Yes, and... I did. Okay. I went to Fordham University and studied art history. And right. in my sophomore year, I started to work at the Metropolitan Museum. Hmm. And um, in the summer, I think it was of 1980, the Museum of Modern Art had the big Picasso show. Hmm. And someone, a mutual friend asked me to get tickets for Bill Diamond and his friends to see the Picasso show. And I will never forget the moment I saw Bill Diamond. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is incredible. You know, he was so he had movie star looks and he had a white Brooks Brothers shirt and jeans on it and no, jeans on in a purple Shetland sweater. <laughs> tied around his neck and i thought oh my god this guy is a trip and did you know who he was i mean did you know who i know he was a designer and i actually gave him and his friends a tour of the show of the picasso show so i got to know them yeah. and uh, when i graduated when i was graduating fordham my friend asked him what I wanted to do, and I told him that I wanted uh, to try interior design, and he said he knew Bill Diamond, and of course, I had met him already, and I said, oh, great, can you set up an interview? I started. I didn't get paid. Um, I worked for su the summer after graduation, and um, I told him that I had a nice time, but I have to get a job. <laughs> I need to make some money here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I started working for him and it was sort of working out of his apartment at the time. Mm. And um, little by little, I started to understand what a decorating business was all about. And, um, you know, it was sort of um, interesting because I taught myself how to draft and um, I made a place for myself. And um, Bill was very nice. He started to teach me and uh, teach me everything about decorating. I mean, he was a prodigy he, at 19. He was al already decorating um, big houses. And Kenny DeAngelis from the great DeAngelis upholsters used to tell a story that Bill Diamond used to ride his bike to DeAngelis <laughs> to do the upholstery. So it was fascinating to me. I would have never even understood that the, there was a world of the art of decorating. Yeah. And he showed it to me and he shared it with me by books 
and magazines and the experience of taking me to all of the people that did things for the decorating world. And uh, it was very, it was a very special time. It was a different thing than just being an apprentice. Mm. He was thrilled to have the opportunity to teach someone what he knew. He would pick a Billy Baldwin book and take one job and dissect it, tell me everything good about it. And then I would integrate it for the rest of my career. I still think of those little details, Sister Parrish, Michael Taylor, and Billy Baldwin. Those are the ones that he held up to say, this is who you want to understand. Yes, and exactly. And yes. and it was fascinating because there were sort of demigods, too. Like, <laughs> like Absolutely. David Hicks. I mean, he, would, he had like every David Hicks book, but he wasn't fascinated with that because there are a lot of things that are to be learned from Billy Baldwin, furniture placement and selection of types of furniture and upholstery and sister parish the mix of the mix of furnishings michael taylor's scale of furniture each designer had something special that would become part of our work and not in the obvious ways but right. if you look at if you look at our work you see that the upholstered furniture is a little bigger than anyone would would think of using a little oversized because that was how Michael Taylor did his his rooms. So with with all of that, you know, we set on our way. And um, one of the interesting things is that we were working at a very young age with the Angelus, who did the upholstery for Billy Baldwin, Parrish Hadley. Um, the list is endless. Uh, yeah. And the forms of their furniture sit on the floor. Right. So you, there was a parish sofa. Now, we still use parish sofas <laughs> to this day. We're just install, installing one of them in a project that's getting installed this week. So I'll never forget, um, Mr. DeAngelis called us one time, and he, he said, um, Maria Boada just called me to tell me that Sister Parrish isn't very excited that you guys are using all of her furniture. Really? Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> it was, uh, that, <laughs> that didn't stop us. <laughs> no. And do you think Mario loved telling you that? Do you think he loved sort of oh, stirring that of up? Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> we had a very uh, odd friendship mario and i because yeah. he would always tease me about having to change my name but i had when i first met him i was at i i remember that i was at an that one of the winter antique shows when they first started and i walked up to him and i said mr board <laughs> i have to tell you you your work is so inspiring to me and oh my god he was sort of taken aback by that I was able to tell him that. He was sort of shy about, you know, it was so yeah. interesting to me that here's this masterful guy right. who's 
you know, like in every magazine, he actually knew what we did because of this whole experience with Sister Parish. <laughs> he was very complimentary. It was very sweet. Well, so so what was he teasing you about? He wanted you to change your name? Oh, he wanted me to change my name. And up until the last <laughs> time I saw him, he would say, did you get to change your name? Yeah. So what was the name he wanted you to change? No or what, did, what was that about? He didn't want you to be called? It was just too close for him. That is Barada so and Barada did not work for him. He was yeah. just concerned there'd be confusion. Right. Yes. I don't think that anybody, first of all, he was significantly more uh, elder than me. Not that he would admit to that. Anyway, very nice. We had a nice relationship for, you know, um, up until he passed. So. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we, we've we been talking about him recently because we were talking with uh, Emily Evans Erdmans, who was his biographer. And uh, yes, and we were we were talking about what a colorful character he was and and just this and and lots of practical jokes and cockroaches and the whole thing i always say that the one one thing is when bill diamond passed away Mm. he was absolutely the first person to call me really i will never forget that call he was so complimentary of bill Mm. It was very, it was very important to me. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. He used to call the office and he would, and somebody would say, it's Mario Boada on the phone. And they thought that the person was teasing, but it would really be <laughs> Mario Boada. <laughs> That's so great. There, there's someone claiming to be Mario Bellotto. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So I love that. I love that you showed up in his world in this. Oh, Sister Parish is upset. You're using her. <laughs> furniture <laughs> i love that i i actually had met sister Parrish at one point she was not so nice to me <laughs> is that right <laughs> yeah <laughs> she knew just who i was too and so what did she say to you she just it was it was just an odd kind of experience she didn't say much God. we were okay but but she wasn't she wasn't warm and fuzzy which, which nah. is i which is i gather i mean that she was that way with a lot of people, right? So you could just I'm take sure it personally, because yeah. right? Because yeah, yeah, I think I didn't I think take it personally. People yeah. told me she would she would take some time to warm up. I think, and if she thought you if she thought you were using her furniture, she probably didn't feel too warmly to you. But uh, <laughs> so you move up the ranks, and at, at what point do you what what point do you and and Bill form what what becomes Diamond Barata? Probably by my late 20s okay and for the sheer reason that my little cottage my fishing cottage hmm. in uh long island was featured on the cover of architectural digest oh. it was the first time that bill had published an architectural digest he had already been publishing in house and garden okay and house beautiful right when i started so my house being on the cover of architectural digest sort of um, catapulted us into a whole different world so 
he hitched a ride on on my star. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't giving that up too fast. <laughs> so had had you done your place just on your own and and it got published or had the two of you worked on it together? No, or it was an interesting thing because I did it on my own. Okay. And I started to go to Brimfield. Now, this is before anybody knew to go to Brimfield. And I bought, I don't know, 90% of the stuff at Brimfield. Which is an antiques market, just for yes, people who are familiar. Right. Like, yes, before yes, it blew yes, up an, to become this big scene. House Beautiful would eventually follow Bill and I to Brimfield. Mm. To, um, and then it went way crazy. You know, every designer had to go. I actually yeah. saw Mario on, on one of the fields. One <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> anyway, um, so I brought all this stuff down to my house in Long Island, figured out how to what I wanted to say with it and and um i remember bill the one thing that he did say to me was paint the floors red and oh. that was that was a great thing sort of pulled the whole project together and and made it so memorable i mean i remember yes, that the, yeah the floors it was, the it was pretty yeah. it was pretty interesting and when you put it um it, when you put it into in perspective we're talking late 80s early 90s mm. when uh, it's sort of compared to what else was being done you know it was sort of um, a whole different direction of of decorating well it's interesting that you say that because i, I want to understand what was going on at that time because we were talking to miles red recently yeah. and he was talking about the 80s as being this sort of interesting period that that many people have forgotten or some of the great designers of the day yes, aren't yes. right aren't as well remembered and i wonder what what was the whole scene like and what who who were some of the big players and what was it like for you at that time first of all mark hampton was the be all mental right chips bay had just started mm. and mark hampton's brown room mm. and sister Parrish's room that was done in ticking right those were the greats and then there were all these other designers which weren't so great <laughs> i mean there were there were um interesting designers that's for sure denning and forcad did beautiful work there there right. were there were beautiful things that were being done yeah. um and there was this whole whole thing that was going on with more modern things at the same time we were working you know in this more traditional style mm. uh, bill adored joe durso he was obsessed with Joe Durso. So a lot of our more modern work sort of evolved out of that. In our heads, he was as great as Mark Hampton was. So, yeah. like, you know, there were, there were people that we really respected. And, and uh, he, Bill wasn't afraid to say it. He wasn't so nice about other people's work. <laughs> Is that right? People. Oh my working. god! <laughs> <laughs> he was fun. He was a character. <laughs> um, <laughs> we would take a lot of different jobs, small jobs, and I always say this uh, to this day: we would 
take a house with few rooms and redecorate them and then move on to the next thing. But it was sort of an interesting way to sort of, for me, to learn about the business and learn about working with personalities, you know, learn to do the best you can Mm. on, on a budget and then finish it, move on. Well, and that, and that's what, what, what seems so interesting, Tony, is that it didn't seem like you had all these celebrity clients, right? Right. But, and yet your, your, your projects and your firm blows up to become yes. a celebrity in itself. I mean, well, that's <laughs> nice of you to say, but yeah. Bill would never work for celebrities. He said he, they don't pay their bills. He always thought they wanted things for free, right? I mean, exactly. He, and he did think he was the celebrity. <laughs> well, that was the other thing, right? He thought he, I mean, you talked earlier about his movie star looks. I mean, yes, yes. he honestly thought he was a movie star. Yeah. A oh, bit, absolutely. Right? He was a complex person. He was very insecure, but he was the most, <laughs> he, he did think that he was the most talented person on earth. I mean, he was an interesting person. He was a very interesting person. Well, and so tell me about how you balanced that. So knowing what you knew about him, right? What did, how did the two of you form a, a partnership that, that lasted, that worked, that, that, as I say, went on to become, I mean, you guys were just on magazine covers and architectural digest loved you, even though your work was so different than so many of your colleagues at the time. Uh, yeah, I think that we both took on certain roles. I sort of focused on the architecture. Mm. Bill was focused on the decorating. We went through every inch of a project together there was nothing that was decided upon unless we both decided it was it was what we wanted the look and the feel everything it was such an interesting um, collaborative kind of work and the style became so distinctive because we were able to you know keep this fantasy going and um, we respected each other's work. Um, we respected each other very much. And uh, little by little, we would create a style. And we sort of felt that as it was going yeah. along. You sort of like, just you do some projects that sort of break in, we broke in to a different level. And, and, you know, it's, it was, it was fun and it was absolutely, and I always credit the magazines for seeing this. Mm. They were unbelievable visionaries. They would feature us. And mm. then even in the front of the book, in the back of the book, we'd be part of these stories. And it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time. And we just, sort of went on, went went our merry way and got bigger projects as this happens you know as as they kept featuring us so your home gets published at our, in architectural digest right so then you guys come together bill realizes oh i got to better hold on to this yeah. kid right 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 
Right. And for listeners who aren't familiar with your with your portfolio of, of work, it was it was out there. It was it yes. was push right, pushing yes. boundaries and and everything was being custom made and bespoke mm-hmm. and right. And it yeah, was sure. I have to say very early on we started to establish these working relationships with some of the best craftspeople. With them, we we're able to create our vision. With the help of them, we could not have done what we did without the talents of all of these other people. So that was a huge part of the design and a huge part of why our work uh, was special. The one thing, Bill would not share them with anyone. He wouldn't share resources. (laughs) And that... He felt that other designers shouldn't share their sources either. Well, so what do you think he would make of this time that we're in now, where there's this expectation that everyone wants to ask you, oh, who made this and how much did that cost, right? Yeah, he would not even, he could not deal with that. First of all, he really believed that it was to the carriage trade. I mean, this is, he grew up in a world where everyone in his world had a decorator Mm. and that's that was part of his family's life you know and um he just felt that this was first of all he felt it was a profession and he was very proud of his profession Mm. and he thought this was a world that was a closed world that dnd was only for decorators that kind of thing We're taking a quick break from the show to remind you about Hector Finch. For over 30 years, the British-born Hector Finch has been providing lighting to designers and architects around the world. Hector's rich knowledge of historical and period lighting, along with his very practical engineering mind, informs the collection throughout its range, which is underscored by his understanding of both period and functionality. Discover Hector Finch at hectorfinch.com. And now, back to the show. So today we all talk about pricing transparency and telling your clients all this information. Uh But that wasn't how it was back in the 80s and 90s, right? You weren't telling your clients how much everything cost. I mean, right? I mean, we were very, very honest, but sure, uh, it was was an interesting... um, time because different people had different ways of charging Mm. so we would actually ask how you you know like how do you charge and what percentage and a person like mario buwata was charging retail which is you know that's a that's a wide scope of what what you're charging you know right it was sort of the Wild West, so you could charge what you want as as, yeah. as long as the the people are paying for it. And and so, how did you end up figuring out how you would charge? I think we met with a a, a lawyer that worked with other designers, and he told us we you know we you ask for a fee to mm. start, and you know we we started at thirty percent commission, and we ended up charging thirty thirty five percent, which we still do. Right, and um, we get paid hourly. Also, 
if it's mm. you know, for architecture, that kind of thing. So that's how a lot yeah. of people were were running their business. And that and one of the things which was so important to me was that Bill handled all the business and uh, he would keep me away from every aspect of it. I would not be allowed to sign any checks because he, he would say, you are like a rubber stamp. You don't even look at <laughs> which and, was, and was that true? Was it was so true. It was <laughs> now the same way with my business. I sort others, of others away. take that away from you. And... Yeah, they take it okay. away. So okay. um for one thing, it, let, it allows me to be creative, and Bill knew that. And on top of it, I did not have a lot of interaction with the clients. Mm. He was the schmoozer. He right. was the entertainer. He would call the client every day just to check in. I would never have to do any of that. And you didn't want to, right? That wasn't I, your... I didn't want to. I was. It was fun and I was of course I was nice and we traveled with our clients a lot so they got to know me okay. but um I sort of worked in the background for a lot of those years and did that come back to haunt you a little bit later when when Bill steps away from the business it was terrible it was terrible yeah I mean for me I just had no idea how to run a, a business at the level of what we had ended up becoming. I think at the height, we had 17 employees. That's a lot of money that you have to bring in yeah. to pay for 17 employees. So I got involved with business managers and family and all these kind of things to sort of help me through these th this time. It was, it was problematic. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. To say the least. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I remember you. I remember you telling me that at one point, Bill said, "You know, come along with me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you rich and and famous." Yes. He right. Did say that, that. Yes. that was how that was how he drew you in. Yes. And, and lo and behold, I mean, you 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 become rich and famous, or the or the firm does very well, right? Yeah. You have a nice yes. a nice big business, and you're on you're you're in Architectural Digest and all the other magazines, and and you're and you're this big famous firm. Bill, and we don't have to get into the details. Bill sadly needs to step away, struggles yeah. with some issues, and uh, and and later dies tragically. Yes. And and then you're left to sort out what, as you were just describing, is is a, a very large business and and a business where you had been kept away from signing right. checks and all it the was, business side. Yes, yes, right. It was a huge challenge because. At that time, we were sort of at the peak and the projects kept coming in. They were very large projects. We had three architects employed full time. Mm. I was doing all the architecture from building houses, you know, to doing Randy's huge renovations, plus millions of dollars in decorating money coming through the accounts wow it was like mind-boggling to me because i was sort of left out of that whole world i just did not understand 
how to run this business. So um, it went deeper than that because the things that you don't think about is mm. that you're, you have leases on offices, but they're huge, huge leases, you know, where we're spending literally $20,000 a month for an office right. in Soho. And I'm thinking, I, I signed my name on that too yeah. for a 10-year lease. And all of a sudden, there's nobody helping you to pay that $20,000 right. a month. Yeah. You know, and imagine 15, 16 um, people getting health insurance. Sure. That kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's like an interest, not interesting, it's reality that I yeah. had to face once Bill was gone. Took me a long time to get my act together. One of the things is I never wanted—I never wanted to disappoint the clients, and um, you know that was that, that was hard because I my work was always the most important thing, and sure. my vision never stopped. So that was what my focus was. So continue to continues to be <laughs> well, and and a, another wrinkle in all of this that that you reminded me of was that you and Bill had agreed that should either of you leave, the firm couldn't remain Diamond Barada, right? And so yes. that and that that was, to... real, that was kind of a smart thing to do, and I don't um, I don't know where he came up with that concept. <laughs> But I vaguely think it was um, Parrish Adley. Mm. And um, he did not, he thought it wouldn't be fair to either of us to have people think that we were still working together. Right. So, but he did, the, the, the things that were important to him, which was our intellectual property, mm. which is vast. Sure. And our licensing and that kind of stuff, he really wanted me to have that. And not all of it happened that way, but he did give me the rights to everything that has ever been designed for Diamond Parada, which is unbelievable how, yeah. how much, how much artwork was done and fabrics were created and all yeah. this kind of stuff that you don't think about while you're doing it, but we kept a record of it or I kept the sample of it and mm. I still have it. And it's, and you know, that was that, that to me was the biggest part of what he left to me, you know, that and this legacy and the work that we had done. And, and so you have all of that and the, Let's assume that there's Bill's family and whatever they're imagining, right? Their role yeah. gets to be, and I, yeah. that's challenging, no doubt. And uh, and then there's and and you had big licensing deals, right. and right, and you had a lot of different things going on, so there was a lot to address there. Well, we had both of us, both of us decided uh, at one point that we did not want our families involved in the mm. business so we had made that pact that we kept it <laughs> <laughs> well exactly in retrospect it sounds like that saved you from a lot of complications yeah but 
I know you talked about there was there was so much money. I I know you you've suggested in the past that there might have been some embezzlement and there might have been there was some- there was embezzlement and um, there was inappropriate behavior I should say with the way things were done in term and I'm not saying with the clients. I'm just saying mm. that I watched my finances sort of. I got in trouble. To be perfectly honest with you, financially, I got in trouble, and there's nothing, um, there's nothing you can do about that while it with while it's happening. Sure, it really takes fortitude to get past it mm. and to put things in perspective. But you know, for me, it was all part of the loss. It was the biggest part of dealing with Bill's passing Mm. was having to pick up the pieces in all different ways, you know, missing him designing with him, missing him taking care of the finances, all of the, uh, all of the day-to-day experiences of having a partner, Mm. you know, sharing these experiences, sharing the client, the, you know, the good things and the bad things. And I always tell um, young people who are going to be doing this or doing anything in life, there are highs that you are incredible that you could never even dream of having. But then there are the lows, which get really, really low sometimes. And I say, you know, pandemics and terrorist attacks and uh, recessions and all of these things, they all happened. I respect design firms that have been in business for a long time because they had to go through them too. Sure. And they had to adjust, you know, had big staffs and, you know, they had to let people go. We went through that. And uh, so when I, when Bill passed away, had to do the same thing, but I was, I was still working on big projects that had to be completed. And, uh, you know, I, I did what I had to do. To that point, what did you have to do? Did you, so it sounds like you might have fallen behind on bills and things and, and yeah, got in I trouble mean, with to, that. But I, I, I had a huge responsibility to my clients. So right. personally, I'd had, I had to you know take care of those kind of things. So, I mean, I, I wasn't in that much trouble. But no, no, no. to me, it was, it was just a lesson to be learned, right. a huge lesson to be learned. And I, you know, I changed what was important to me and um, I literally changed the way I do business completely now. So tell me about that. So tell me, tell me about that change. Um, it was, it's, a crazy, <laughs> it's a crazy story, but Eric Espinosa and Jamie Magoon are the, the two people that sort of took me on this different path. And uh, they're both super talented young designers. And Jamie's work was trained by Bill. Mm. And Eric came later. Uh, He's been working with me since he was 19. But at this point in in my life, Eric and Jamie, I could see that they were the future. And I adore every day working with them. It's uncomplicated. Their talent is boundless, and uh, I don't have the stress of having these huge offices 
with a lot of people that I'm not really sure what they were doing. Assistance <laughs> with assistance and, you know, like I, I can't even tell you. It's a different way to do business as and as as I get older, you know, I enjoy it and I'm not stressed as much and I get to draw again, which I adore drawing because yeah. I really think that that's part of why my, my design is the way it is because I draw it out first <laughs> and mm. I drew and I design while I draw. So it's important to me. And um, so that's where, you know, that I, I had to change the business uh, because I didn't feel the sense of um, creativity uh, when all I was doing was, managing uh, sure. this group of people. And on top of it, I could see that not everyone was as good as Jamie and Eric. And I had been doing work and I could see that people were making decisions. Younger designers that were working with me, they were making just bad decisions. And there's nothing that bothers me more than bad color decisions. Is that what it was? Bad color decisions that they were making in your mind? That's what I'm famous for. Right. You know, like yeah. if the color's off, I just can't even go. Like I, right. I would go into rooms that where I did not select the color and it mm. would be bother, it would be troublesome to me. Yeah. You never let people, you know, I, I often hear that people giving me suggestions of what colors I should use or paint the walls. And since the, onset of Farrowan Ball, you know, all of these people have an idea of color from the 30 Farrowan Ball colors. <laughs> I'm not, I shouldn't use the, the, <laughs> that. That darn Farrowan Ball and the, <laughs> the, funny the fancy colors. <laughs> I, and the funny part is I had been using Farrowan Ball paints since I was really young and we went to London a lot and we used their paints a lot. Anyway, right. long story short, <laughs> I find I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to understand color. And when I see it not working right, that's when I get a little bit not ha happy. So we gloss over going from having this great big firm with the Soho office and the twenty thousand right. dollar a month rent. I mean, and and was there was there a day that you just made an announcement that guess what? Only two of you are coming with me, and the rest of you, you know, thanks so much for being on the team. You, we have some lovely parting gifts. I mean, <laughs> how did that? How did, <laughs> there's a home it version so of the of the Diamond Barata game for you to take with you. I mean, how did that? How did that all go down? Did you just, I mean, is there a mass email? Did people, I mean. Well, it's they... called, uh, a lot of it had to do with a lease ending in Manhattan. Okay. At the same time that the, at very close to the start of the pandemic. Mm. So very quickly, I, I, I I don't know how this happened, but I sort of, I got out of that office and that lease and moved on and uh, was so, I mean, I had so many things that I had to deal with, with properties, that kind of stuff. But the pandemic started and then I started working from home and Eric and Jamie started working from home and uh, we all loved it. So we stopped we didn't need as many people to work. 
Mm. And uh, we got closer and closer as it, it goes on. And, uh, you know, I rely on them as much as they rely on me. Not a trim gets decided without all of us making a decision on it. Sometimes it's like, okay, you guys can, you guys can <laughs> figure that one out. <laughs> but but that's but that's so fascinating going from this big firm down to this small group and and are you all still working remotely or do you work do you have a a shared space or what do you what do you do now? We're all on our own. Jamie and Eric work in um live in Connecticut. Right. A lot of our work is out of town now. So one of the things that I've learned to do is not take on a lot of dopey projects. I have clients, very supportive clients. Mm. It's sort of, I've learned to limit myself now to really, to really special projects, diverse projects. You know, we do boats and planes and, you know, and that kind of stuff, but not for a lot of families. Not for a lot of families. What do you mean? I mean, not. We work for probably four or five different families, and don't take on a lot of other work, right? Right. Because we're committed. Yeah. And uh, that's that. And so most of them do not allow us to publish the work. You know, that's an that's an interesting part of that. And is that and is that challenging for you that you can't show the work or at this point you I sort of graduated from all of that. Yeah. I don't have to be on the AD one hundred or the L decor or whatever. Doesn't matter to me. Let young people get that, you know. And yeah. I think that that's that's wonderful, but I don't expect like Bill Diamond expected to be on a ma- magazine cover every at least one a month you know that was <laughs> that was his goal you know so or it, something was wrong something was or something wrong. was they wrong were, yeah and you don't feel the same way about magazines today. no no i don't i don't want to sound negative but they are certainly not the same uh as they used to be i think some of them are fantastic other ones don't show the level of design that I think is necessary. Mm. And, um, you know, it's like, um, uh, I don't know if it's a disappointment or I'm not going with the, you know, like I'm, I'm older and I just not going with the flow on it. You know, it's like, Mm. it's, I try my best not to think of it in a negative way. But early on in my career, uh, Bill Diamond told me to dial it down, he used to say, not look at everything because he would say, this is crazy, but he would say, you're going to get infected by the bad work. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that hysterical? (laughs) That is hysterical. Well, he was... Wasn't he somewhat eccentric in his own way in that didn't he like live without furniture for oh a long time? Oh my God. He, he would live on a mattress on the floor with a cardboard box with a TV on it. And that's how he would live. What was, what was really going on there? Uh, I think he was too cheap. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think he wanted to spend the money? 
You wouldn't want to spend the money on furniture? He would always say to me, oh my God, you don't stop decorating. You have like, I mean, (laughs) it was just a nonstop thing where I was doing something for myself. And that was not an important part of it, you know, for him. Now, he drove the most expensive cars that you could possibly drive, you know, that he took a lot of pride in. But that was a whole different thing. Yeah. You know, that's how, what some guys are into. So he'd drive his expensive car home and then just go sleep on his mattress on the floor. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly. And, on, and then the his food budget was phenomenal. We had San Ambrose delivering our lunch and dinner every day. Every day. <laughs> if you can imagine, it was just, it, it was sort of hysterical. Well, that was a whole different, you know, New York was a whole different world and decorators were pretty cool. Being a de- big decorator was pretty cool. You know, yeah. like, you know, you would hang out at, at cool places with cool people and, you know, it was, it was, it was a fun time. We're taking a quick break from the show to remind you about Leloy. For almost 20 years, Leloy has made its name not only in home textiles at all price points, but also in customer service. Members of the trade have dedicated Leloy sales representatives to answer their needs, with easy online ordering and fast shipping directly from Leloy's warehouses. Learn more at LeloyRugs.com. That's L-O-L-O-I, Rugs.com. For an inside look at all things Laloy, follow at Laloy Rugs on Instagram and TikTok. And now, back to the show. Was it this fun sex, drugs, and rock and roll time that we sort of imagined the 80s, 90s, you being yes. these... these <laughs> The answer is yes. Yes, it was all of that. We were. I actually say that being in New York... At that time, you were at the center of the universe. Yeah. It was like a page six life, you yeah. know, and it was, it was, seemed like it was never going to end. And, uh, and then it came to a crashing halt. And what, and what brought it to a crashing halt? I think that for us, our office was on the top floor of 270 Lafayette with this incredible view towards the south and towards the uh, World Trade Center. And I we all watched from the office as, as the towers fell. And mm. it was as if that day, I remember it, uh, Bill said to me, it will never be the same. And it's true. It was like uh, the world came crashing down in front of our eyes. Yeah, and, literally. Uh, that whole dynamic, you know, that whole free-for-all, sort of stopped pretty quickly yeah and uh, it still ha- hasn't been the same yeah no no no. It, it it seemed like that the post 9 11 world a lot a lot a lot did change talk to me so you and i have talked in the past about hiring and what you look for in people and i wonder now that you're now that you're setting up eric and and jamie really to, to be the future i mean t- tell me about that first of all I do think that 
in some way, it's my responsibility to make sure that everything's great for them Mm. and that their careers move forward. And I respect that they appreciate the legacy of Diamond and Barada. And they enjoy being a part of it. So what they, how they take that into the future is up to them. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm certainly, I'm making sure that they have everything they need to be successful designers. And when I talk about successful, I don't talk about, I don't look at it as, you know, as a monetary thing. Mm. I, I think that they adore the actual art of design. So that's what I want. That's how I want them to be happy. They also love each other and love working with each other. And I could see that. Mm. So I also want to foster that, which I, I guess that comes from the fact that, you know, I lost that person that was taking care of me. Mm. Uh, and it's a hard thing. So I hope that we're able to work together for for as long as I can. It's joyful to still get to the get to create on a level I do. And they even sometimes I think I surprise them. <laughs> I learn from them as much as they learn from me. I hope they take it with in a direction any way they want. Yeah. They don't want to change the name of the firm. God bless them, like, you know. That, that's all that's all up to them when you think about what made your partnership with bill work so well and so many design partnerships haven't worked and yes. so many right and so many people haven't been able to stay together and our industry is challenged by longevity firms don't last right what what do you think made your partnership work so well that that gave it the staying power there's a few things. First of all, we were laser focused on our style. And articulate what that style was. How did you describe the work that you did? In our heads, it was sort of the progression of mm-hmm. American decorating. And we looked towards the past to obviously to create this world, but sort of modernized it in a funny mm. way and put the spin on it and it was witty and it was clever and it was a little outlandish and some of it was just sheer ridiculousness <laughs> but it was brave and uh, we couldn't have worked without each other it's a, it was a lot of about happiness it's a funny thing life is a funny thing because mm. sometimes the a person like Bill, who was creating this happy world for so many people, couldn't find his own happiness, which is a, that's the saddest part of the whole thing. Exactly. That his work, your work was creating so much happiness. Yes. And yet he struggled to, to find his own and couldn't. Lately, People have been reaching out to me, young people mm. that grew up in a Diamond Barada house, to tell me how that changed their life and their view of life and how beautiful it was to live in these interiors. And really? how grateful they were to Bill and I. And 
I mean, I don't think about it in those terms, but I think for all designers, it actually does affect everyone in the house that you're designing for. You know, it's a very, and I'm not talking about only our work, but every mm. designer's work. Sure. It makes a, it makes a home special. I'm so touched by by these people reaching out to you and telling you how it affected their lives because we've been we've been talking recently about this area of research around neuroesthetics and and measuring people's change in in mood and and energy level influenced by their surroundings and and really trying to put some science behind yeah. this what you were just describing yes that it, that of course, creating these these joyful spaces and 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 lifting people's spirits just changes people and 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 can elevate people's lives in in a way that this is what great design can can do is I guess yeah and I think least. that in in different ways I I um, you know my work and and uh, my worldview is I celebrate the personal styles of the people I work with hmm. and I look to them for inspiration and in what I'm, what I'm designing. And um, I want to see the personalities of my clients. One of the things that I just don't get anymore is like these mausoleum kind of uh, interiors of these fields of stone and kitchens that, you know, like you don't understand how people cook in them. I, I just, mm. all of that kind of stuff, it's, it, it just goes right over me. I, I mm. look at it and I think to myself, is that a life for a young family? You know, is that, <laughs> is that like you want your kids to be surrounded by that for what? It doesn't, you know, I want kids to be happy. Well, so, so along those lines, I mean, you're leading me there. Uh, what do you, what do you make then of the rise of RH and the rise of all of this beigeness and, and, this lack of color that's 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 held up so much in, in in so many circles. What do you what do you make of all of that? I think that people um, just don't have the experience to know about a spe specialized design. They don't mm. have it presented to them in the way that it used to be. You know, and it's just not that clever. You know, it's not that there's a world of people that are think that it's better not to try at all. That it's it feels safe in some way. And it so it feels safe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very hard for me to get into it. It's a, it really just yeah. is, it just is not a normal life. It's a showroom life. You know, you can't right. you, there's nothing I rather I would adore going to a furniture showroom when I was a kid. I would never yeah. for you would go into a furniture showroom and you would see all these different styles and oh my god, it was so much fun. I, 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 I when I was in college, I used to go to those model rooms in Bloomingdale's. What a craziness that they were! How spectacular that they were! Yeah. Put yourself into this other world, you know, just by going and seeing a furnace, the fifth floor or whatever it was, <laughs> Bloomingdale's. It was fun.
it was just it, it was and that's what I want to project in in my work. So along those lines, there was a there was an article in the in the New York Times just recently about the the sort of lack of innovation, the the lack. Of, I mean, there was this sort of it talked about culture sort of grinding to a stop, and nothing seems very new or fresh or bold. And and it, funny enough, in the conversation, I referenced your work of the day as 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 pushing those boundaries. But I don't know who I can point to. That is your is your heir today. <laughs> I, I mean, who's who's taken that 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 mantle and 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 is sort of working in that in that way or or, or pushing those boundaries? I mean, what's your what's your sense of this sort of culture not evolving in a in a meaningful way? I think that'll change. It ebbs and flows. It, 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 yeah, you know, yeah. I I I always give English furniture as as my example in the right. 42 years that i've been doing this d- doing decorating mm. um i've watched how english furniture is used and french furniture mm-hmm. and i see that it's there's always a new take on it and um sometimes it's a little on the uptight side but sometimes it's loose and it's fun and it's big part of the mix and and um it's almost visionary and i like that that here's this constant that's used in a different way it's Mm. it's like you're it's like you're cooking and that's one of the ingredients you know and and people don't understand that um that you know there's givens in the world of decorating chinese design or whatever Mm. will always be part of it as will English furniture of the 18th century, you know, that's, that's part of, that's part of the lexicon, how you do, how, what you do with that is, you know, that's the, that's the challenge. I think I, I don't like when, when design is like a pack where everything is like the same. It's so not interesting to me. There's such a level of, uptight being uptight it's so not the way i think what what do you mean so what's an example that you that you think <laughs> well i mean i have a lot of examples but in my <laughs> own life in my own life i see this kind of this kind of adulation of classical design mm. i respect it i get it it's it's <laughs> fine <laughs> Go decorate it, though. You know, it's right. like, it, it's it's fine. It's great background. You know, I yeah. I respect modern architecture. Great, you can't decorate glass walls. Right, you know, you can't make a living on those kind of interiors. Like the whole Hamptons. I live in the Hamptons. It's unbelievable what how it's transformed in a very short amount of time with modern just okay architecture right right Right. that's undesignable to me it's like (laughs) how do you even know what to put in these spaces so i simply go through this world of design uh, on tiptoes and with the volume down (laughs) well so tell me what that means i go through it on tiptoes with the volume down tell me what that means because I'm going to get infected. <laughs> you're, 
just like Bill was concerned about. Bill was concerned you were going to get infected by all this bad design around. And I mean, certain things, you know, I don't honestly don't like to be negative person. No, I understand. But, uh, but you know, it's nice. Let's try something else, you know, and, you, and get some other people involved in your work teach young people you know that you can experiment that there's artists that uh, would love to you know like like do design walls or paint walls that mm. are interesting and new and companies create to create new patterns that are different when i when i was speaking about mario boata before he was a brilliant man yeah and he kept his style throughout yeah. his career and um he knew he could design in any style in any way whatsoever he was he was absolutely one of the great talents of my time mm. but he sort of kept it kept a focus and he just knew what he did was special and it really isn't copyable it's like a, if you think about it, nobody has really done uh, his work can get can get to that level of creativity. And he knew how to give the people what they want. He worked for people that it, that wanted his look. Yes, that's yes. different, and that's why I sort of limit my practice now. I want people that want what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't want to explain it to people. I don't. Re I don't want to be that person that has to defend myself. Right. That, that's the evolution of anybody, I guess, in any career. But right now, the way I do it is is simply keeping it small. So, when you and I were last talking, you referenced the fact that All About Eve is your favorite movie, <laughs> and. <laughs> I, I was thinking about all about Eve and yes. uh, and and sweet Eric and Jamie who are just going to rise up, oh, yeah, and, yeah, in that in that all about Eve uh, style uh, and uh, and 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 take over. What do you, what do you think the time frame is? How much time do you think you have left for that before they uh, before they <laughs> before Eve Very good rises up? I'm so excited to see what they do. Mm. I just am giddy when I see things that, you know, that's magic. What we yeah. do is magic. Whoever right. you, whatever designer is doing, I may not like it, but it is magic. I mm. look forward sometimes to seeing like what Jamie and Eric have in their head. So we're yeah. doing this installation next week in this very beautiful apartment. And um, I see how they're, they, have taken it into this different realm. And it's not saying what I would have really thought it could say. It's saying a lot in a different way. They take it to a different level, which is so much fun. One thing I've learned is, um, although I've, my career was formed by books and magazines, mm -hmm. I do love that the world is at your fingertips through the internet. So that to me is a total yeah. incredible part of 
what young people are able to do. And does Eric talk about artificial intelligence? And he and- does. Yes. Oh and- my God. <laughs> this is so crazy. A couple of weeks ago, we're working, we always work on Cape Cod, and he was playing around with AI. And I think he said he he talked to it like a whole, like not even that much in terms of the words or what he wanted to get out of of this living room. Mm. So he shows me what the results were. Mind-boggling. It's unbelievable how beautiful these rooms were. I could not get over it. I wonder what things are going to be like 50 years from now. Yeah. It's just it's just fascinating. This is better than most of the decorating I see. <laughs> Well, well, it's it, it's fascinating to see how your firm has evolved and uh, and and the and the young talent that is that is uh, that is rising up with within the within the ranks and uh, and and will carry carry the firm on into the future. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. Yeah, I learned so much from the the greats of decorating, mm. and I and I hope that my little piece of it will be an inspiration to people and through eric and jamie that may continue i don't want to i think of these designed designers that were like major designers at one point and they're like lost in the yeah you can't even imagine you know like where did they go like, a, a, I used to look at the work of Valerian Rybor. Right. He was the top of the world at one time. Yeah. Did anybody ever talk about Valerian Rybor? No, I think most people probably never heard of, right? No, I mean, exactly. No. Exactly. So it's just a, it's a funny kind of thing. I don't want to be, I'd rather, I'd rather <laughs> not be Valerian Rybor. Well, that's why you, that's why you need the next generation to carry it on, right? Exactly. <laughs> that you're remembered. I mean, how do you become the Mark Hampton? How do you become the Mario Bolada, right. right? And the, right, the names right. that live true. on. And uh, I mean, and that is that is hard to do because yeah. I mean, even I think I think you mentioned Robert Metzger last time we were talking, oh, and I, yeah. right? Uh, who so many people uh, of of a day hold up as oh my god, he was like you know. But oh again, god. who who talks about him today? Right. I mean, Paige Rent would have him in, in four issues a year, at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, Ken D'Angelo said to me, he was the consummate professional, unbelievable businessman. And he thrilled his clients like no other decorator. Mm. That's hard for people to understand that that was part of our world. You know, that show and that, you know, that pomp and pageantry <laughs> of being a decorator. We used to we used to dress to go out to the guy who did our lighting, Mr. Pell, or to the or you know, to the upholsterer. We Bill Diamond would be in a suit and tie to go make your lampshades. <laughs> that that was important to him. Mm. So, you know, that was that was a different world. Ah. Uh. 
Well, I, I could talk to you all day, and I've and I've kept you for far too long. I could talk all day. <laughs> I talked a little too much, I guess. No, 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 no. It was uh, it, it was really such a pleasure, and I and I'm so grateful to you for making the time. I'm a huge fan, and I think what you do for the design community is very important. So I thank you for making me be a part of this. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, visit us online at businessofhome.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, browse job listings, and join our BOH Insider community for access to online workshops, a free print subscription, and much more. If you have a note for the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others to discover the show. This show was produced by Fred Nicolaus and edited by Michael Castaneda. I'm Dennis Scully. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.